Shalom and welcome again to Secrets of Meaning, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate your time. Uh, I am your host, Rabbi Richard Address. Welcome. Um, if you would like to contact us, by the way, to uh, suggest something or make a comment, uh, just email me at rabbiaddress at jewishsacredaging.com. Uh, you can check us out also on the Jewish Sacred Aging Facebook page. We appreciate that as well. Individual stories are absolutely fascinating, and, and we've talked a lot about the, many of them in the various incarnations of personal journeys and stories, and of course, we're in the middle of the, the uh, run from Passover to Shavuot and the wilderness experience, which of course, as you know, is the, the major metaphor and symbol for our Jewish community. But individual stories on their own journey is some of the things that really continue to fascinate us and has fascinated Jewish tradition for centuries. We are very, very pleased to welcome uh, an individual, Scott Kushner, to today's uh, program, today's Secrets of Meaning podcast, because we want to explore Scott's individual journey, which I think some you will find absolutely fascinating, um, because it touches on a lot of the things that we talk about here, that we all talk about uh, on our Jewish Sacred Aging work, but also speak to speaks to a lot of what's happening uh, in many people's lives contemporarily here in the United States and really around the world. So Scott Baruch Haba, welcome. Uh, it's nice to see you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here, Rabbi. I'm really excited to be talking with you. This is um, a very, very interesting journey that you're on. Um, it, it really encapsulates aspect of, of some uh, mental health issues, personal courage, uh, in an article that you wrote that actually we published a while ago on, on our website, jewishsacredaging.com, you, you begin with a very, very, what some would say perhaps is a very interesting, some perhaps would say is a little bit of a provocative statement. You say, quote, can prayer and ritual cure depression and anxiety? Can prayer and ritual cure depression and anxiety? There may be some physicians who would say, wait a minute, wait a minute. But this is part of your own journey, isn't it? It absolutely is. And, and I, I believe it is possible. And, uh, well, I know it's possible. I, whether it's possible for everyone, I don't know. You, what, you have walked this walk, right? From, um, just very briefly, just tell us quickly, um, from that moment, I think you said in St. Thomas when you had this episode and, and this very, very perilous personal journey that you were on. So that was, that was actually Christmas Eve, 1983. I had a psychotic break from reality in St. Thomas a couple nights before, and I flew into Cooper Medical Hospital in Camden on Christmas Eve and eventually to the PA Institute uh, over in West Philadelphia. And I was diagnosed with bipolar type one psychosis and then eventually major depression. And I was hospitalized. For a year and a half, I was 26 at the time. So they packaged me up for what I would say is standard American success. To, so go ahead. No, 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 no. Finish, finish, finish. I was going to say what, what I view as that definition is to go out, go get, build a career, get married, have some kids, get a dog, a two car garage in the suburbs. That's, and if you do that, you'll be happy. If you achieve that, you will be happy and your life will be good. Uh, and I did that. I, I went down that path and I went down that path for 
upwards of 20 plus years. Um, but it didn't necessarily solve me. And along the way, I was on pharmaceuticals. I was on antidepressants, anti-anxiety. I was no longer bipolar to the degree that I needed something like lithium that seemed to be episodic relative to the circumstances down in St. Thomas and the work. Uh, but I do have uh, bipolar tendencies that I have to watch. Um, but at the end of the day, I was going through life. I was following this script, and it didn't necessarily make me happy, didn't necessarily give my life meaning that I thought it might. What was the tipping point for you, Scott? I mean, there, 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 your life, your life changed. I mean, just flipped. Um, was there a moment? Was there an encounter of something? What was it? So I, I think it was twofold. I think I had followed that sort of you bend of life that most people seem to follow the midlife crisis. You're reaching that point where we're doing all these things and why am I not happier than I would like to be uh, or I'm experiencing? So I, I went through that midlife crisis. I did get a divorce, um, you know, so that had impact on family and I was trying to find my way. Um, the, I didn't know at the time that the U bend of life was something that most people went through. It actually was in The Economist magazine that almost in every country, every walk of life, people, their happiness declines in, during the age, going down to roughly ages 40 to 50, and then they start to find a new way. Um, and I didn't know that at the time. I wasn't cognizant of that. I didn't have the sense of self-awareness. Um, and so that was a year, which is now roughly um, most 2007. So what is that? Roughly uh, 16 years ago, there was a seminal moment for me that sort of illuminated it, the issue. I didn't realize how unhappy I was. I went down to New Orleans in December of that year to help rebuild homes for her with Hurricane Katrina, Katrina right. ha having been done. It was performative. I look back at it. I was doing it, I think, more so to be seen as good than to actually do good. And I met a woman who invited us to lunch that was living in a neighborhood that looked like a Day of the Dead movie set. It was so dilapidated from the hurricane. And, and she seemed happy in spite of it. She's in a FEMA trailer, water, water soaked furniture of little means, you know, poor of little means, invited us to thank us for coming down. I remember trying to give her money and she held my hand and gave it back to me. Like I didn't even realize I was stealing her dignity. And I actually went out back and started to cry. It was, what's, there's something wrong here. I'm so much better off than she is materially. Why is she so much happier than me? And she was a person of very high faith. I didn't have that kind of faith at that time. It wasn't in my psyche. So you, you, you write also in, in this seminal moment, this transformative, transitional, really transformative moment. Um, you mentioned faith. You talk about in, in some of the, the, you have a YouTube video that talks about your story and the article that you wrote for us. 
the fact that, that, um, in essence, the modern pharmacology is very good at medicating people and, and putting you on that track. But you write, um, the profession was very good at diagnosing pathologies, reasonably good at addressing symptoms, but not so good at promoting thriving. I wanted to thrive, not just survive. That's a very, very powerful sense. I wanted to thrive, but not survive. Um, you think a lot of people, regardless of where they are medically or diagnostically, are afraid to thrive? I don't know if it's as much uh, to be afraid. It could be. I don't, I think it's more to don't know how. Uh-huh. And, and, and just to clarify what I wrote there, I was parroting and give it its due. Martin Seligman, who was a former president of the American Psychological Association and one of the founders of positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. And those were his words of the profession of what he felt they were, had done good and not so good. And, and as I understood positive psychology, uh, it was about thriving, not just diagnosing pathology. And there's a difference. And I even at one point in my journey went to a workshop that they held there uh, with uh, it was the intersection of uh, spirituality and psychology. That it was a workshop at University of Pennsylvania. So you 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 and, we, and we've talked a little bit about this, uh, you know, off camera. You really got into the Seligman, the positive theology, uh, positive psychology motif. If I'm not mistaken, you actually took a class, um, or, or videoed or on the YouTube thing with uh, someone from Israel on, um, or at Harvard. It's from Israel. He teaches at Harvard on positive psych, positive psychology. Scott, since this was such a transformative issue for you at coming after, as it did after New Orleans, how do you, you, Scott Kushner, define and understand positive psychology. I, as I understand it, it is about thriving. It is about having a life where one can go out and self-actuate and, uh, have meaning, have purpose, uh, have some degree of, I'll call it contented joy mm. or joyful contentment. Either way, we want to say that. You know, it's not the quick hit happiness, but it is, uh, you're, you're, you're in life and enjoying the experience of life. I couldn't say that before. I, well, I, I did attempt suicide while, uh, back in, in, uh, in 1984, uh, w- w- during a brief, uh, uh, away from the hospital. There were times when I, I just didn't see the purpose of life. Why bother all the struggle? I it felt there was a dismal aspect of it to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I clearly was not thriving. I was overachieving. I, I went headstrong into the materiality of our sort of consumer career driven society. And I was using work or anything, coaching, you name it as a, its own medicine to escape from what was my reality, which was one that it's not worth it. Yeah. And, and, um, we all know a lot. Of, 
we all know people who who mask maybe that's the wrong word it's the first word that comes into my my brain mask dealing with what's really at their core of their neshama by socially acceptable activities work you know involvement volunteer because it is sports the phillies let's not speak (laughs) of the dead um (laughs) that was cruel um (laughs) but it's okay it's okay um so that leads me to in your understanding america has this myth of happiness uh i think and and you really are a testimony to that but the goal is one of the goals is be happy i have to be happy i I just you know we want you to be happy whatever that means as opposed to thriving which is a wonderful concept could you just do you see any difference between being quote happy and thriving as a human being i think well i I can sort of think of it in this way that we have this notion that happiness is a, a byproduct of the things we do. Of uh, you know, if we do these things, we will be happy, and that it's something that happens to us. I think thriving fits very nicely with Judaism in that I have agency to create that. I'm a, I'm a creator of that. And if I'm thriving, I am creating the framing of how my relationship with life such that I reach that level of contentment or joy. I, I reach it through uh, a, a conscious effort to obtain it. That's what I think of as thriving. We're, we're overcoming life is coming at us in different ways. It's not always good. And yet we find a way to find meaning in that. Even in the struggle, we can find meaning and contentment and some means of joy as we overcome them. You know, this very, you're almost channeling the the closing monologue of one of my favorite movies, uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors. Uh, It's the voiceover at the very, very, very end of the film, which is a uh, Cain and Abel and a morality play. It's a magnificent, it's a high holiday, uh, movie. Uh, a- actually, it's a high holiday film, uh, Yom Kippur, because, uh, um, people get away with murder. And there's, um, the voiceover at the end talks a little bit about exactly what you're talking about, about how people just find a way through love and family and, um, being involved to overcome a lot of this stuff that life throws at them. You And we're talking again uh, with Scott Kushner on his own personal journey, uh, dealing with some mental health challenges and finding that sense of meaning and purpose um, as you wrote through spiritually based approach to living. So let's, let's move into that. Scott, you, you um, had your um, opportunities with um, medicine uh, you had this transformative moment in New Orleans that led you to talking and studying positive psychology. And all of a sudden, you arrive at a spiritually based approach to living. What does that mean? In that same year, I met someone online that was a Hasidic Jew. I had really no experience with Kasadas and, and their view and 
and Kabbalah and that intersection with Judaism. So the, the, and, and it really unlocked spirituality for me. When I think of the, the essence of spirituality, it is, do I have a relationship with life at a sentient, sapient level? Is there some transcendent divine consciousness that I can communicate with? Um, and that's what it unlocked for me is to, develop that psyche, I guess, that looks for that. And so I, over the course of this decade, I have come to look at life in that way. It is not just a material existence that I, I, I think I was so steeped in the materiality of life, I didn't really have a relationship with that above, I guess, the heaven side, the meaning side. And it's not just meaning that I create. I choose to have a relationship with a creator of meaning. I choose that. I, it's not like I can say it's there. I just choose to have that existence. What is Then what is to you, Scott, that creator of meaning? Is it a supernatural or um, is it just a, a, a life force that exists in the universe and in each individual? How do you, how do you, or I, I guess, or to put it another way, what do, what do you pray to? Well, it is definitely not the God of our child, <laughs> the right. up above kind of. It, it is, but I do believe, I have chosen to believe that this world was created by something transcendent. I choose that fundamentally. Right, I could right. have gone the other way. I could have chose that this world developed consciousness and all these things that you and I see around us, but I choose to go the other way. Um, and in doing that, it unlocks a certain meaning to me. Um, that so that that god we'll call it whatever we want to call it but i'll say that god um provides me with purpose i feel like i i walk around like i am living a story it's not random it's a story and there is a purpose that i have and i'm trying to unlock it basically and that 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 purpose just unpack that a little bit more you're Again, again, what what do you pray to uh, in this spiritual, you know, um, existence that you that you, you you that you have found that you have found? I'll use a, a good old fashioned religion with salvation in. I mean, I, I, I think yes. that's a good word for you. I, I think so. So, I what do I pray to? It's, I, I, I don't, def you know, I, I, I don't want to get too much caught up in story because I think that trips us up too much, especially right. if people have a different story of what that is. But I do communicate with, and I say that in a sense that I talk to, but it's not like I hear voices, but I talk to the writer of life, in essence. It's as though I'm a character in a story. This is my metaphor that I uh, establish in my brain. 
I am a character in a story that can reach out of the story and talk to the writer. And so it, go ahead, go ahead. And then. it fits with the, the, with Judaism and the levels of soul and prayer, you know, six days a week, the, I, I see the purpose of that prayer service to align sort of my, my materiality in this world, how I act in this world. But then in, on Shabbat, I want to reach a little higher. I want to, to me, that's that mystical step. I want to step behind myself and think of Scott Kushner in third person of, hmm. of what is Scott, how is Scott Kushner doing in his part in this play? And then we have Yom Kippur where we have that next level of soul, the, that prophetic level. And I think where we simulate death, I think that is the, attempt to reach outside of our existence and touch God, touch the creator, speak to the creator. I'm assuming I, I have this vision of what death is, as I go back to a direct unveiled relationship with something of a divine nature. So you, in, in, in the article that you wrote for us, you, you have this wonderful paragraph. Quote, it's been 13 years since I stopped taking medications and began using prayer and ritual to rewire my brain. While not always perfect, I can attest to a, an overall thriving, to truly experiencing life as a gift and an adventure. And I lay that success at the feet of our longstanding Judaic traditions. I see it as an ancient cognitive behavioral system of historic proportions, unquote. Great paragraph um, filled with, talk to me about what this means. And, and also, if you can, what rituals and prayers are the most meaningful to you that have helped guide this new uh, uh, spiritual life of yours? So, and, and I'll, I'll say in a, in a sort of aspirational, hypocritical way that I always say, it's imperfect how I execute on them, these rituals. But I will say, as I went from the sort of medicinal approach to monitoring my, my happiness, my levels of sadness and happiness, my, my, uh, chemistry of my brain, my go-to was gratitude. Um, King David, a hundred blessings a day. And I would walk every morning. I'd start and I would. Try to, in an hour's walk, come up with a hundred things that I was grateful every day. And you I still, could, it, you still do that? You still do that? I, it, I don't do it as ritualistically, but it's it become so ingrained now after years and years that I do it. You know, to me, going to the supermarket is a religious experience. Michelle and I do it on Shabbat, you know. And going to Wegmans, that's like Yom Kippur, you know, that's like the, the high holidays of, of, of abundance, you know, of gratitude that we live in, in a, in a, in a time when these things that are available from around the world, I could literally walk down the aisles of a supermarket and, and come up with a hundred things I'm grateful for. So the, just keep going. I mean, so. The gratitude issue. What other? So, so I think gratitude is the oil. It's the fuel. If, if okay. we're not great, if we're not in a grateful state, I don't think we can show up. Gratitude unlocked for me. Um, 
it allowed me to get out of myself because when I'm in an ungrateful state, it's all about me. I'm right. hoarding. I'm, I'm hoarding what I do for others because I want to protect my own sense of self. I, when I'm in a grateful state, uh, it creates that, that cup runneth over kind of ability to give to others. So I show up better. So it's a coupling of gratitude with affirmations and Judaism's got a lot of affirmations. So I wrote down a couple that, you know, for me, the, I, I have, um, I have meaning affirmations. So it's like, what, how do I want to show up in life? So if, if I, I'm choosing to have this relationship, what is it that, that God or this divine wants of me? You know, it's that sort of, is that, I don't know if that was Mika. I forget who, who asked of that. What is, what does God want of us? But to me, I, I look at, you know, what I get out of Judaism from a meaning perspective is I, you know, from Rabbi Akiva, I get, I want to love my neighbor as myself. So I want to show up in a, in an outward way in that manner. But then I pull from Rabbi Hillel, th that which is hurtful, do not do to another. So I want to make sure I'm not forcing what I do on somebody else. I don't want to tell someone else how to live. Um, I get from Pirkei Avot, if I'm not for myself, who, if, if, if I'm not for myself, who will right. be? If I'm only for myself, who am I? Um, and then also from Pirkei Avot, uh, who is wealthy, the one who is satisfied with their lot. So I, I think about that a lot. So we have these affirmations that are, the prayer service is essentially a litany of affirmations. And that fits with positive psychology, with cognitive behavioral therapy. It allows, so now I see the connection to psychology because it allows me to reframe how I see reality, how my, my, my relationship with life. I, I reframe that using the affirmations and, and Judaism's got a, a tremendous number of affirmations and they're wonderful. Do you have your own daily spiritual practice? I listen to it. It's, it's, you wouldn't recognize it. Uh, forgive me, Rabbi. You wouldn't recognize it as, but, but I listen to a number of songs and things that help no, me. No, no, no. Um, and they're usually positive. Sometimes I, I like things that are of a kirtan nature, these right. short and Jewish renewal has done a lot with their services. And, and we do a, a certain degree, even w with our services at, well, uh, you know, where we're at, you know, with McCor and, and now, uh, oh, Paul and me, uh, we, you know, where, where there's songs, you know, certain ones that are repetitive in nature. I find those the most meaningful and helpful for me. Elohaina Shamashina Tatabi Tahariti. That tells me that, um, yes, I get that I'm flawed and so, but underneath I have a pure soul and I should, I should be more forgiving of you because underneath you have a pure soul. So, I like it because my Hebrew is not where I would like it to be. And these short affirmations in a kirtan way, I understand the meaning of those words. So I like, and I listen to different versions of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Pete Cooley opened the gates of righteousness that I might walk through and shout your name. If, if, if there is a God and you could actually come and talk to that, I mean, that would be a hell of a thing. Yeah. It would be, it would be an amazing feeling. And, and, it, but that's actually within my control. 
to actually have that. I can imagine that that divinity exists and I can have that sort of metaphorical dialogue. Scott, are you thriving now? Do you send, do you have a sense that you're thriving rather than just existing? Generally so. I, I have the same issues and sorus that others go through in family and work and things, but they don't keep me down. They, I feel like I'm, I show up to life better. I feel like I'm less judgmental of others. Mm-hmm. I uh, am more giving. I, 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 in my volunteer and what I do to try to leave the world a little bit better than, than I found it. So I, I would say I would give myself a B. <laughs> I would, <laughs> it's thriving <laughs> because yep. I, I, I want to, be, I, 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 I need to be more ritualistic. I wish I had the belief of orthodoxy from that ritualistic perspective. And I haven't acquired the taste of that yet, although I do have my sort of own way of doing that. Yeah, you do. You do. You have your own ritual perspective. It's, it may be different than three times a day davening, but it, right now it works for you. I do understand the method to the madness of that, though. Yeah. It makes oh, yeah. sense. It makes absolute sense. If I were going to a psychologist who was doing CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, they would be having me do those things. Right. Um, and picking them out, picking out the affirmations. So, so before we start running out of time, there may be somebody listening to this or watching to this who's, who's struggling. Okay. Um, and they'll listen to you or watch you and you'll, and they'll hear your story of, of this shift and this, this sense of finding a, a way to thrive beyond the medication and they'll say i don't know whether i have the courage or the strength to do that what kind of advice would you give that person i feel really good about the approach that i ended up taking i i was with a psychiatrist from from back in the hospital so for 20 plus years wonderful person but not spiritually oriented and i wanted to go down that path Fortunately for me, in our synagogue at the time, of course, Shalom, is Daniel Gottlieb, and someone recommended that he's very spiritually inclined, as well as a therapist. And I had a long talk with him. He wasn't taking on patients, but he decided to. And and I think if you want to go down this path, I think it should be done with a professional. But I think the professional that we would need is someone that appreciates and understands and, and uses spirituality as part of their toolkit. I think it would be hard if they don't, if they don't have that appreciation to hold our hand. And he did. And it was probably for, I'm trying to think, this is now uh, 10 roughly years ago when I went off of medication and it was hard. It was painful to go off of meds and I did it cold turkey and he held my hand and he walked me down that journey. He started me down that road. and. And it's been, it, it took a number of months to that the rewiring of our brains does not happen overnight. It's like trying to decide to be healthy just doesn't happen overnight, right? It right. could take a year or more, but I feel like I own my mental health now. I have taken it back. I own it. I, I believe I can control it in the sense that 
you know, I can take the God pill as many times a day as I want. It doesn't require insurance. There's no negative side effects. I, I can do affirmations and gratitude all day long. Uh, the, uh, I guess I have to ask you this one, this, because we're in the middle of, you know, um, hopefully emerging out of this COVID thing. And there's been an explosion of awareness about because of COVID, et cetera, of, of mental health concerns. And you've walked, you've walked this walk. Um, what, what, what's your sense of, of, of this now in, in our society? We, we seem to be overwhelmed with mental health issues. Uh, NAMI, the organization that, that monitors a lot of this, um, is, is just overflowing with statistics that, that there's so many people now of all ages, teenagers to older adults, uh, middle-aged, huge epidemic amongst middle-aged men. Um, is it just the pandemic, Scott, you've walked this or, or is this really, has something been touched in this, in our world right now? And you factor in the politics and the anxiety and the stress of just making it through daily life. What's, what's your perspective on this? Oh, that is so loaded. Well, <laughs> it's, it's so many. That's, why, that's why we saved it to the end. I do think there is a churn going on. I choose to believe that we are reach, we're starting to reach a point to go to that next level. And it is unsettling. And that next level where I try to imagine what would that messianic age look like over the next couple of hundred years? Wow. And, and there would be a lot of churn that's going on because you know, at least in the mythology of our theology, where we've, we've been working, living off of the, the, the our, we've had to work the land, work, you know, for our bread in essence, right? And we're reaching a point, we see it and it's unsettling that, oh, we're reaching a point where there could actually be a state of abundance and life must change. I, I don't know how much is the pandemic in, specifically or the politics because clearly it's polarizing and I think it's going in the opposite effect of spirituality. Um, the, the, it's heavily judgment laden. Um, I, I do believe certainly what I experienced, you know, predated that. I, I experienced, and I think Martin Seligman hit it on the head. We were really good at pathology and right. dealing with pathology. And, um, but at the end of the day, I do think we have to find a meaning that, that supports us and, and brings us to a more positive place. I, I don't know in the sense that we don't have a common theology or we don't have a common, I guess we don't have to use the ideology. I don't think we have any of that right at the moment. No, we don't. No, we don't. And I think, um, one of the challenges that we've talked about here, uh, on the podcast, and I know we've talked about it in some of the Torah studies that, that I teach for your congregation, for Cole and me, uh, that seems to be a real need. And, and, and we've talked about this as well, that we seem to be picking up a sense that at least in our generation, there's a hunger for this, a hunger for some sense of, okay, what the hell does all this really mean? And, and cause we have, we have enough food. We have enough material stuff. So it's not the material. There's um, something else that's needed. We, we something. find out that there's something needed and we've been so focused on the material aspects and it isn't enough. 
No. It actually is not enough. I feel good. You know, even the journey at Makor Shalom and God talks that we started having and spiritual talks that we've had it and, and introducing these kinds of ideas there. And I think it's been a wonderful experience, certainly a wonderful experience for me and for a lot of people that were yearning for something to add to their existing I guess I would call it theology, I don't know, or religious ritual. It's just a good way to remind those of you who, you know, who are members of a synagogue, regardless of the denomination or where you're, don't be afraid to have those conversations about the relationship to God and who you're praying to or who you're praying for and who you're praying with. And um, because there is a need to find out what is this? What is the essence of this existence, which is, as we all know, just a fleeting blink of an eye in the grand scheme of things? Scott, Scott Kushner, I want to thank you for joining us today on today's edition of Seekers of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. Thank you, Scott. Stay healthy. Um, and I'll see you soon, probably on the Zoom machine uh, for Colomy, I hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Rabbi. It's been thank a pleasure. You. To all of you, thank you again for your time and joining us on today's edition of Seekers of Meaning. Uh, we appreciate your support. If you'd like to continue to support us in these podcasts, please go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com. The conveniently located donate button, just click on it and follow the prompts. We are very, very, very grateful for, for your support. And again, we invite you to visit the Jewish Sacred Aging Facebook page. And... Um, we appreciate the support of our producer, Steve Lubetkin, the electronic genius who makes all of this possible because these uh, podcasts are recorded at the studios of Lubetkin Media Companies in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And once again, thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Steve. Till the next time, I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. Take care, everyone. Be safe. Be kind to one another. Stay healthy. Shalom.